Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. House, Los Angeles, California. Malik Rashid, Chief Johnson. Yeah, you episode. I don't even know. We don't know where we, but we, we, this one's special, man, because uh, you know we felt it was important for myself and Malik to sit down, just the two of us, and um, just have a conversation. You know, allow the our listeners and friends and family and and everybody to to get to know us better as as men and host and um so this is dope man this is dope Yo, before we even uh jump off and jump off into this i want to uh i i, I want to again i said it to you last week but i want to wish you a happy solar return man another trip around the another trip around this joint happy birthday to you appreciate it that's crazy did you ever after you hit a certain, like, age, did birthdays not mean as much to you? Did they look at it as just, like, the same where people always say, oh, it's just another year? Wow, that's a great question. You know what? I think that there's a part of your life where we feel invincible and we feel like tomorrow's going to come, mm-hmm. 15 minutes is going to come. Whatever I think we are in the we're in the part of our lives, especially as fathers, um, that nah they right now I'm celebrating every I'm celebrating everything yeah. I'm celebrating everything at this moment because you know I I think even prior to the pandemic I had begun to get into that sort of that mindset because as a child I didn't I didn't you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So in terms of celebrations or birthday parties or anything like that, like while my other boys was having things at Chuck E. Cheese or something big at the park, or they had a huge family, me living out here in Long Beach and my family being from Delaware and Maryland and the Philly area and all of that, I didn't have that collective. So I I, I didn't have that. So I'm celebrating everything now. The last couple of years, you know, when the birthday comes up, you know me, I'm trying to like, yeah. I'm making flyers. I'm, I'm trying Backyard to do two barbecue, or three nights. Yeah. I had a private dinner night and all of it. So no, I'm, yeah. I'm celebrating everything. I, th- I think we have to, we owe it yeah. to ourselves um, because this is, this, this life is a blessing. Yeah. No, I used to be like that and, and be like, oh, it's just another year, but uh, time is fleeting. You know what I mean? And and we all know, you know, we've lost people close to us. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, like 30 minutes, like you said, 30 minutes from now ain't promised. Yeah. So to be able to make it around for another year and be surrounded by your people, you got to celebrate those. So I used to always, you know, clown on people. They're like, hey, we going hard for their birthday party. But I'm like, yo, go hard. Go hard for your birthday. <laughs> Enjoy that. Go hard for everything. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a friend, a dear friend, like a, 
30 years and uh right now she is uh she's in the battle of her life uh just got diagnosed with uh stage 3 breast cancer and uh i haven't seen her post surgery uh and i'm going to see her this weekend for the first time since hmm. the surgery and uh Last time I saw her, we were celebrating something, and it just hit me that this weekend we'll be celebrating something. We'll be celebrating the fact that, you know, she still got some some tough days ahead of her mm-hmm. as far as, you know, dealing with what you deal with, with you know, cancer, with chemotherapy, chemo, radiation, and all these other things. But also, she's still here. She's very much in the game. And uh, she has an amazing support system. Um, she has us. So, again, I'm, I, I can't wait to see her and, and, and be celebratory this weekend, just in just being in her presence and yeah. us being in each other's presence. Uh, so, yeah, man, again, I'm, I'm celebrating everything. I'm celebrating. Yeah, look, my, my daughter starts uh, fifth grade tomorrow. Uh, Kylie Joy. Kylie. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, young Queen. And I'm going to, uh, we'll also be taping tomorrow. So I was I was telling her mom, I was like, yo, I'm driving her to school tomorrow. Because I'm not going to be able to pick her up. So I want to drive her and drop her off and everything. And each, t- each year that, you know, whether it was Tyus or her, when, you know, and you're dropping them off. You 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 don't realize how quickly it happens. I remember dropping Tyus off at not pre-K. I'm talking about at his first ever daycare, yeah. and him being in the window and crying, right? And whatever, whatever. And now you know he's about to graduate. And might turn around when you drop him off and, and wave. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Different Same now. thing with Aria. She just yeah. started second grade, and we celebrate that. And I yeah. love being able to drop her off at school. And it's still, you know, it's crazy. Like you said, you you drop them off at a young age, and they don't want to leave. And you see them grow. And then, you know, the teacher gets them in the first grade, and they meet them at the gate. And now they're walking themselves to class. And, again, it just goes back to Bye, time. Dad. Yeah. Like, like yeah. time is the most important, the most important thing because – you can't get it back. So how you spend your time, who you spend your time with. And I think it comes back to celebrating life, but also to um, not spending so much time either beating yourself up or harboring bad feelings or con- letting non-positive things dictate. Weigh you down. Yeah, weigh you down. Yeah, because yeah. That's something, again, that's something that we all are, I think every day we're all trying to figure out. Because, like, via social media and via everything, you see all this, like, hey, you better stay positive, stay positive, stay in gratitude, stay in the light and all these different things. And, 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 And I think that everybody wants to... I wake up, I want to be positive. I, I, I want to stay in that moment all the time. But uh, I read something this weekend. Life is going life. <laughs> life is going life. And when life is lifing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to deal you some, some things. Um, and it's not at your convenience. Yeah, so never is. <laughs> never at your convenience. So with that, with that, it's like I'm also learning to give myself grace when I don't feel, when I have those days and I'm kind of a little bit more stoic and everything, but I'm also learning to come out of those places, uh, ex like get out of those places a lot quicker because you'll fuck around and you've a whole day's gone by and you've been stoic and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, yo, I missed just jumping in the pool with Kylie or running yeah. around chasing my dog, you know, Milo or whatever, you know, or just the interaction with family and friends I'm missing that because I, I'm harboring all this, all these things. But I'm learning to give myself grace too because sometimes those feelings are real too. Those 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 moments yeah. of like, 
yo, this is fucking hard or this is very daunting. Um, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do better at, you know, just finding a balance. And that's the thing that I appreciate about you. One of the things always I've appreciated about you is how very positive you are and um, how that's always amplified. Like your gratitude is amplified. Is that due to like we all have had different parts of our upbringing? Uh, What part of your upbringing is it that makes you or it keeps that on your mind is that I got to stay in gratitude. I got to stay yeah. in a positive place. Again, I can feel down a little bit, yeah. but for the most part, I got to stay here. Yeah. Cause the down part is where you really learn, where you learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause when you're, when every when you're happy when everything's going good for you, you don't think about like you're coasting, right? Mm-hmm. But when things don't go good for you, it's like, how are you able to take, take that, the chaos and create something beautiful out of it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's just my upbringing. Like, you know, again, like a lot of us, we, we grew up, we didn't have a lot, but we had love mm-hmm. at a very young age. My mother had three strokes, three major strokes. Whoa. I think I was maybe 10 years old. Okay. And to see my mom go from, you know, she was like going to college at the time. And she was like, uh, honor student and she had goals and aspirations and to see that strip from her I didn't know how to process it mm. <clears throat> I when I did cry I cried by myself I never wanted her to see me cry but I consumed a lot of that stuff internally and I think that's a lot of what our family does the people around us do so you don't know how to you don't know how to navigate that you never had therapy anything like that but I got to an age where you start seeing everybody around you is so bitter, you know, is so consumed with like the past and the past trauma and the past struggles. And I think I had my kind of breaking point after my grandfather died. Um, I forget where we were at. We were living in Monrovia at the time and I walked all the way home from Pasadena I'm, I'm talking this is probably like a six mile walk and I cried the whole way and I felt like I released some because I didn't cry at my grandfather's funeral because something that stuck with me was that when my grandmother passed away he told me don't cry you got to be the man now you need to hold everybody together and that stuck with me mm-hmm. but when he passed away because I was bawling when she passed away but I was closer to my grandfather so it was weird for me okay but when he passed away you know, I, I didn't have that moment, but that was kind of my breaking moment. But I think from then on, I told myself, like, I can't live with resentment. I can't let these things weigh me down. I can't let the past issues dictate, you know, my happiness or my future. Got it. And from there, you know, of course, crazy stuff always continues to happen. But I was just always had a knack to be able to, like, pick myself up. Or find the positive in the chaos. Got it. And, you know, I I think when you can be that for somebody, it gives the people around you, they can breathe a little bit. And they also pick up on that. And that's what you want, right? You want want the people around you to, you know, feel a sense of calm or, Mm. or be able to look at you and say, like, dang, you're not freaking out about this. Like, okay, like, how are you? you know, um, processing everything and how yeah, you like that. Staying. And I think it's just because you've lost so much and been through so much, you really, you have to address it mm-hmm. and you have to pick up and move on. So for me, I just always remind myself every day I journal. Um, I've just gotten into that journey. And just being grateful about so many things because if you really look at it, like God just always continues to open doors he closes doors when he needs to, you know what I mean? He'll put you, he puts, he'll put you in the right position. You just have to be like ready to receive it. So, you know, for me, just, um, I think it's just like not allowing myself to be consumed too much by, like you say, we have, everybody goes through it every day. Like,
like you have your ups, your days, your certain days you feel a certain way, but you could either like sulk in it or you can, you know, okay, what's next? Dust yourself off and get to the next play. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, what we're doing too, you know, with a sweet life, um, like me and Malik have been talking about this podcast and something for, I want to say seven like more like seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was always something we wanted to do. We just didn't know, you know, exactly what it is. We talked about like, oh, fashion and sports and, you know, music and those kind of things. But I think over the past few years as being fathers and the things we've gone through in our careers, we felt like it needed to be more, more in depth. And, you know, I think both of us, have a love for people and a love for connecting people and a love for hearing people's story. And I think there's something powerful about sharing stories that people now more than ever can grasp onto and possibly, you know, apply them to their lives or, you know, share these kind of things that may just may help that one person get to the next day. Sometimes all you need is just a little beacon and that beacon can come in a joke. It could come in a story it can come, you know, whatever, but it's all about the human condition. And, you know, I know it took us a while to get this out in the world, but I'm just so great, grateful that, you know, we did it and we did it on our terms, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's what's important is, um, figuring out actually what your own terms are. Yeah. Like what's, What's your level of comfort? You know what I'm saying? Like what, what, what putting yourself in the situation that you best thrive in. So to get to that space, you have to start peeling back the layers, figuring out exactly who and what you are, uh, what you need to be intentional with. And so, yeah, that's why I think, you know, things are happening, appearing, uh, the way that they are for us Diz, what did Diz say on the, uh, on episode four? He said uh, it was something to the effect of like ordained steps or your steps are being ordered. You know what I'm saying? They're ordered by your intentions. They're or they're they're ordered by your thought process and and your faith. Um, and I'm not speaking to a faith like in a religious sense, but like just what you believe in, what you see at the end for yourself, like what, what, yeah. what you see for yourself. And so, yeah, man, this is, this is all beautiful. Like I, I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm so appreciative. And, and like you said about journaling, I'm more so right now, like I'll, every couple of days I'll get into my notes on the iPhone and just start with gratitude at the top. And I'll just, you know, thankful for, uh, another day, whatever day it is. I'm thankful yeah. for this Tuesday arriving or I'm thankful for the, you know, Wednesday rolling around and I'm thankful for my health and I'm thankful for my children and, um, and their mothers and, 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 uh, you know what I'm saying? Cause I, I'm, I'm not able to, I'm not able to do what I do if I don't pay homage to things that kind of keep us all to yeah. keep us together it's like what, what what's that drake record um i think um and he's thanking everybody he's thanking the homie for like just coming around packing his bags and mm-hmm. you know chubs for being there for him and all these different things like that's the other thing like gratitude is really about also paying homage to the people that have invested in you and that doesn't mean from a financial standpoint, it means just advocacy like this. This is advocacy, like yeah. the, the way we've invested in each other. Um, I love it because it also speaks to something that seems to be sort of a challenge in our community. And my and this is only my opinion, um, is advocating for each other without feeling like I'm taking away from myself or I'm going to lose something by advocating for another person or a group of people or saying, yo, I love that. Like, it's like the podcast game, right? Like 
I love all the smoke. I love what Gilly and them do. I love what I love all like I, I I'm taking from all of these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm I'm learning. I'm watching all of these guys, and I'm like, yo, that's dope. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I hope that at some point we'll get to a space where they'll be like, yo. That's fire. What it's they inspiring. do. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, my point being that there's room for all of us. Yeah. And I would like to see more of that. I would like to see us more. I would like to see uh, the culture be more cohesive because I don't think it's as cohesive as it should be. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we find ourselves on the outside looking in on things that we create um, and just at a, disadvantage because we don't lean into our sheer numbers sheer numbers alone like we move everything so like if we if we are if we recognize that alone we'll you know and i'm rambling but we'll we'll have more control yeah i remember my niece one of my nieces asked me like why why a podcast there's like so many and I think the the cool thing I like about it, like you said, it, it's a it's a space of um, there's no ceiling for it, right? Because everybody's everybody's journey's different, everybody's situation's different, and um, I like that you can dictate your own terms. And for me, I'm also continuing every episode learning about myself, and we're learning how to be host, and we're getting our chops and we're learning these kind of things and it's adding more things to your toolbox. And again, with this, you're not up against first, first week sales and, you know, um, the marketing department, you know, put all this money into your record and it didn't do that. So now you got to go sit on the bench. Yeah. Like we can legit, nobody can, we could wake up tomorrow and say, let's put this episode out mm-hmm. and nobody can say, no, nah, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's a freedom in that freedom in that. And Sheesh. it's and it's pulling me further out of my shell because <clears> I was <throat> never I never really did speaking engagements. The first one I did was the ASCAP um, years ago. The homie Jason Reddick, who's at ASCAP, was like, yo, chief, I want you to speak on the ASCAP panel. And I'm like, why me? He's like, you've done like <laughs> a lot of dope things. And I was so nervous. Like the panel was like full of dope people, but that was kind of my first test, my first taste at it. And then Los, the homie, um, shout out Los. Um, he was instrumental in this also too, you know, revolt TV. And I did that. And, um, it's just inspiring to know that people are inspired by you, mm-hmm. even if it's a few people. And I think the outpouring over the first few episodes that we've released has been, you know, I look and I look and answer all the YouTube concert uh, comments, and it's positive, and it's like, wow, I needed this. There's a kid on there that said his his boss was letting him go because he told his boss he had like entrepreneur goals, and his boss let him go. So this was like encouragement for him, and like to see those kind of things is what we kind of set out to do, mm-hmm. and and it's therapeutic on our side too. Yeah, because when you're when you're like harnessing your power and then um, disseminating your power into people, it's also a constant reminder. Like, okay, I'm doing this, or I'm this is this is what I'm intentional about, and I'm investing in people. And as I'm investing in them, I'm actually investing in myself, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm this, yeah, this shit is wildly therapeutic, and um, I'm again, I'm just so thankful for it, man. Um, so, so, like for people that don't know, how did you, uh, where are you from, and how did you get to where you are now? When I say get here, how did you come to L.A. and yeah. Some of your journey. Um, moved around a lot. Um, I was born in West Virginia. My father was in the Air Force. Got it. All his family is from that side, Virginia, West Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Okay. My mother's side of the family is from Mississippi. 
Um, and uh, my adopted mother, their side of the family, they're New Orleans. Okay. But we ended up in Colorado. Okay. Because Colorado is huge. Colorado Springs is a huge military town. Okay. So that's pretty much how all the black people ended up in Colorado Springs. There's okay. my mom's f- good friend. Yeah, lives out there. There's, yeah. there's the huge army base. There's the Air Force Academy. There's two Air Force bases out there. So when they all retired, like my grandfather was in the Navy, um, my sister was in the army, my uncles were in the army. Like everybody was military. Okay, but they stayed out there for the cost of living, and you know we moved around a lot, Colorado. Spent time growing up in New Orleans. Okay. Um, me and me and Adrian, after we graduated high school, we moved to Atlanta, did a little stint in Atlanta, and then back to Colorado. And But music, music was at the core of it. We started as dancing, you know, 10 years old. A- Adrian? Or you, no, well, you know. us. Adrian <laughs> used to dance too, but... Um, <laughs> okay. So my, my, my father, he put us in... A Walmart talent show. He used to work at Walmart, me and my two brothers. And um, we won the talent show. And we just started doing all these gigs around the city. Um, and then we started rapping. Okay. Um, it was myself, my two brothers, my little sister. And then later on, Stro, who, cousin Stro, who's now part of the Roots, we had a group. Got it. And um, Stro so, Elliott. Yeah. So music was always at the core of it. Um, And after high school, um, started kind of taking, after we moved back from Atlanta, started taking music real serious. Got in a group with my partner, Vice, um, called Due Process. Okay. And, um, you know, we started really going at music. And in between that time, my cousin Rez and Mr. J and Stro had a group called The Procussions. Okay. Crazy. They moved out to California. They signed to Sony Rockets. Really? Yeah. It was They were killing. signed to Rockets? Yeah. They was oh, killing shit. it, man. They was on tour. For those who don't doing... know. <sighs> Yo, yeah. Rockets. Rockets was the joint. Yeah, yeah, that was some so shit. So we went out we came out to California to visit them. They were living in Pasadena. And while we came to visit them, we ended up renting an apartment in Monrovia and went back home. A month later, packed up a U-Haul, moved out here. We pressed up vinyl. We distributed that vinyl through Cali King's record pool, um, Icy Ice. Cali uh, King's, Icy Ice, Cerritos. Um, Mark Love. Yeah, DJ Mark Love. All the homies in. We started getting booked for shows. And we ended up, you know, signing a, a deal with Avatar okay. Records. You know, distribution through Universal. Came out with an album. But that's what brought... That's what brought us to California and the deal was jacked up. It was really messed up. So after that first album, we were trying to get out the deal and they wouldn't, it was just messed up. So I had to figure out, we had to figure out how to make money. So we're working odds and ends jobs, started working at this place called Gray One. Shout out Gray One. Jerry Gray One was that spot in Pasadena. Yeah. He took us under our wing, man. Um, and he was like, yo, when you're, not, when you're not doing shows and gigging and, and that kind of stuff, work here. And he's, I'd say, the most instrumental person in my life that brought me into marketing and fashion. Jerry. Jerry. Um, Dude, wait. Did he have Supper Club? Jerry Mean, yeah. Word. Yeah, Supper Club, Mood. I J- met, Jerry, I had, met yeah. Jerry a couple times. Yeah, but he's the one that, that got me into marketing and fashion and streetwear and I met, that's where I met Nick Diamond and okay. the Crooks and okay. Dom from Brooklyn Projects and everybody in the industry now, like we were all coming up together. And from there, I just got into that. And then he, he made me a partner of his club promotions program, uh, uh, group that he had. And I just fell in love with marketing. And we ended up recording a new album that we never released till this day. We have a, a full album that's, unreleased and you talk about like releasing it just to put it out there but um you know music behind the mic became secondary for me okay you know i think i lost a little bit of love for it because of the industry side of it okay it just didn't feel like the passion anymore um so but with fashion and 
the part, the clubs and stuff like that, it's still music was still always the thing. So from there, I just continued on with marketing, little odd stuff, Young and Reckless, Brooklyn Projects, Crooks and Castles, um, yeah, Puma, and you know that that lands us here. I mean, really fast forward, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, yeah. all of it. All of it really just leads to now the part of my life where I feel like mentorship and advocacy is what I want to do and mm-hmm. and where I want to leave my mark, you know, and just teach teach things that were taught to me. Because if I didn't have people like Jerry and Dom and Luda and, and you know. Um, Luda. Rest in Sheesh. peace, Luda and, and the crooks and, you know, drama um, all these people that poured into me and allow me to be a part of what they were building and learning from them, you know, I'm not able to do this. And, you know, for me, that's now what I want to do. I want to be somebody's OG. I want to be people's person that I can pour into and, and help them, you know, achieve their goals or, you know, just even share things, you know, that I've been through to, to hopefully lay some inspiration and, and maybe set them on the right path. So, you know, um, long story short is what they say, or short story yeah, long. Short story long. <laughs> With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to act from Samuel L. Jackson. Improve your public speaking skills from Robin Roberts. Learn the art of negotiation from Chris Voss. Or learn music curation and DJing from the one and only Questlove. With over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is even closer than you think. I recently had the opportunity to take the Dove for Brothers class on developing an original television series. As someone who wants to get into screenwriting, this class checked all the boxes for me. I was blown away by the depth of the knowledge and the quality of the experience. More importantly, I felt I was walking away with the necessary tools to write my first original screenplay. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash ASL today. That's masterclass.com slash ASL today. Terms apply. But yeah, Crazy. and then for you, like, you know, same thing. And then I always wanted to know because I know we've talked about music okay. and everything extensively. Mm. But how old were you, and you know what really made you think like, yo, music is gonna be my life? You know, what I mean, this is what I want to do with my life. Crazy. Um. Wow. So. My story is this, like, you know, my parents were divorced super early, but I actually, so I was born in Lewis, Delaware, right? And so my parents, so my mom's side of the family is from a place called Frankfort, Delaware. It's a very small town, like mm. su- like Andy Griffith, like <laughs> super small. Like my cousin's graduating class her senior year I know it couldn't have been more than 50 to 60 people. I think it was under 45, like small, small town, right? Everybody knows everybody. My dad lives in a, his family is from a town called Berlin, Maryland, like Berlin, Germany. And that's like, I think like for me, it seems like the towns might be like 12 to 15 minutes apart, right? So on one side, you're in Maryland. On one side, you're in Delaware. Same thing, like Ocean City, like so that's where we're from. But my dad moved here, uh, you know, and him and my mom, I don't know if they, I don't, I heard so many stories and I don't <laughs> want to ever like create a narrative for someone because that's been done to me. But my dad came here, my mom then followed and uh, that's how, that was the first time we came to Los Angeles and then my mom went back. Things didn't work out between her and my dad so then we went back to Delaware and then we spent some time in Maryland with his side of the family and there was a lot man and um to this day you know some things that haven't been healed necessarily but we would go back and forth and then finally finally 
settled here, here being Long Beach, um, probably like settled, settled. Well, we didn't move anymore. I think I was in eighth or ninth grade um, and uh, went to Hoover Junior High School, which is in Lakewood, California. But I grew up on the west side of Long Beach <clears throat> in a place called Springdale, which is on Santa Fe and Spring. Like, we love being from there. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it, the culture is the culture. You know what I'm saying? If you're from out here, you know what that what it is. But... Uh, we stayed in three units in that in that in that housing facility, apartment forty seven, ninety six, one oh four. Um and I was, you know, I was I was groomed there and um I was around music. I, I didn't even know how it was impacting me, like, you know what I'm saying? But one of the homies, the big, big homie, he put me and his cousins in a singing group one day. He was like, y'all the singing group. And all he was doing was like beating on the fucking uh, washing machine in his garage. And he was telling us, sing it right, sing it right. To this day, that dude throws these events out in Temecula. He has an event thing and he like throws little concerts. So he always wanted to do that. He also played overseas, played in the NBA for a little bit. And all of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to, whatever, because he may not want it to be known. But the homie, like, really influenced me. And then, um, so I was, I was like, I still, but I was like, you know, like everybody else, hooping, playing sports, whatever, doing whatever. And then at some point, I, I really can't definitively tell you when, but probably... 11th 12th grade high school mm. it was like a switch and I was like all right that's what I'm doing but I didn't know I didn't how was I gonna get there right yeah. so I because I it was like it was Long Beach it wasn't cracking cracking yet it wasn't like that and then um and then a dude came on the radio you know what I'm saying <laughs> One, two, three, into the four. You know what I mean? And you from the city, and you like, oh shit, you know, dog on the radio. And then Warren was on the radio, and then you know, summertime in the LBC, right? And then the Twins, and then big moments, in yo. The and then like the Five Footers, and then like the Mexicans. It was this group, the Mexicans. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it was, you know, you know, little half dead, and you had like. Deals were just getting passed out and you were in the city and then, but I was like on some, I was different, like in terms of like what was being talked about at that time, which was what should have been talked about. It was the culture that we were brought up in, right? If you want to call it gang culture or whatever. But I was on some whole, like I was super influenced by the East Coast. So like, I, I mean, I love Jay-Z and I, I, I love Snoop and Dre and everybody, but I was super influenced by like, also, because I went back and forth, right? Yeah. So I'd spend time with my cousins, and they put me up on mixtapes, and I'd be like, oh, shit. And I I love the lyricism, even though the lyricism is here as well. Dude, yeah. I, I, I don't want to sound crazy at all, because Cube is one of my favorite. Like, But Death Certificate Cube. Yeah. Kill at Will Cube. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, all of that shit. And, uh, but yeah, I, I figured it out, and... Uh, the homie Carlos Perot, who works at Lexani. Carlos. Yes, yeah. he he and he he like. I don't even know how we came into each other's worlds, but uh, I was working at this spot in the traffic circle, like my senior year of high school. It was called Polly's Pies, and I was working there, and he worked there, and I was you know bustle raps and shit. And he was like, yo, I should plug you with my uncle Danny, Daniel Holloway, who I think worked at Island Records at the time. I don't know in what capacity he worked at Island, but he worked at Island. And he had, like, I think a record store. I think it was called Zen or something like that. So then, you know, I'm hanging around them. And, you know, one thing led to another. But the 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 quick thing is I knew what I wanted to do. And the thing that I always did really well was foster relationships and maintenance of relationships. 
Cause that's all this all this shit is about is relationships, right? The world is just about relationships. So as always, maintenance and fostering the relationships. And um again, one thing led to another, but I will hyper I'll I'll go far ahead. And what happened was probably two thousand two or three, I had come into some money. And I was like around the homies who were technique, who's from Long Beach. Tech's a Long Beach legend for us. Like he was in the LBC crew and all of that. And then there was another part of that. So there was there was Tech, Mm -hmm. but there was an overall crew called Dynamic. And Tech was in a group. The crew was Mark Spitz or Perfect, Tech, Pac-10, all of these guys, right? And so... We were all, at that time, I'd just come into the money, and then um, Perfect had ended up, for some reason, he ended up in Houston. And um, when I came into the money, I was like, yo, I'm going to bet on one of these dudes, and we're going we gonna, we gonna to make it make sense, right? And um, uh, so that happened first. Like, we, we tried to... We collectively tried to put something together, and then we were taking trips to New York and all kinds of shit, like going up to Def Jam. Like, that's how I met Tina Davis and Jessica Rivera and JoJo Brim, like literally being in the Def Jam offices, and I think his name was Kevin Law, who had signed Nelly at Universal and Dino DeValle and KP and all of these things, because like... We 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 getting busy like we okay. making demos and then yeah. we going to New York. We had a couple connections and shit. So long story short is that's where I, that's also I was a and ring then right and then I uh, that didn't work out and so then my god brother who's passed away um, prior to him obviously prior to him passing away he believed in me and he had you know he was he was in a great financial situation and he was like yo I believe in you and I want to invest in you and in investing you I can be a part of something and so again I plugged one of the homies and um this is crazy so we uh, I, I called him this kid perfect and told him I was like yo like you've gone with that moniker for a long time like let's change it to Mark Spitz Right, because his real name is Mark Henry, and he was like Mark Spitz. I was like, yeah, swimmer, gold medalist, like Mark Spitz. It sounds dope. He's like, that's kind of hard, but he was like, kind of back and forth on it. (laughs) But you know me, I'm trying to come on. That's the name. And long story short, like ended up using a lot of my relationships. And uh, first record we made was we went and met David Banner. He was on this tour, and David Banner made the beat. Like came off stage went to a studio in Minnesota, made the beat there, did the hook, Mark did the verses. We got one song out of the way. Came back to L.A., right? And then the homie, um, I think Leo Williams, who knew someone who knew Kanye, we got around Kanye, paid Ye. Ye, this is real. We're at the record plant. (laughs) We're at the record plant. We pick Ye up. And Ye cuts two records. One of the records was called One More For Me. And it was like a drinking anthem. And it was like, it, it's crazy. It was called One More For Me. And he, Ye actually, I think maybe one or two people at this point had let him rap on records. I think, and one of them was a West Coast group. I, I want to say Dilated Peoples or something like that. So he jumped on the record. Ye jumps on the record, Right. And then I remember him calling G Roberson and I didn't know who G was, but he was like, yo, there's this kid down here. And G was like, you can't let him have that record to the artist. Like you, that, and I was like, nah, we paid for this record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then Ye ended up also calling Ross Stewart and Twister and was like, yo, y'all should do a record with him. Cause I guess he was working. I didn't even know he was working with Twister. So we went to Chicago, knocked out a record with Twister, right? Then Midi Mafia knew them, knocked out a record with them. And then uh, the homie from, uh, 
from somewhere somebody introduced me to Buys One. Rest in peace. Yep. And so Buys got the record and understood it and was like, I'm going to blow this shit up. And man, maybe two nights later, we are, we at home, right? And then Buys, I think, called us and said, yo, listen to the radio. And yo, Felly was like, yo, this is some new shit. This is when Felly, you know what I mean? Felly yeah. going crazy. Drops the record. Yo, he played that record, no exaggeration, for like 12 to 13 minutes. Pulled the record back a number of times. Every label called. Everybody you can think of called. You know what I mean? Capital was popping at that time. 3H. I don't know if you know 3H. Fucking legend. 3H. Ron Lafitte called. Um, at the time, Chris Lighty and John Monopoly, who often on manages Yay, and uh, Barry Weiss called. Jive. And then this attorney called and he said, or actually, somebody introduced us to the attorney from the label. One of the labels that was courting us was like, you should meet this attorney. He's dope. And I'm like, all right, so we meet the attorney. Again, I'm just making records. The rest of this shit is super foreign, foreign to me, right? Yeah. We just the record process. Homie, the lawyer is Theo Sotomayor, who is 50's attorney now, and Drake's attorney now, and Pusha's attorney Legend. now, and... M's attorney and everybody you can think of, Ross initially and everybody, right? 50. And so he was like, yo, I want to be your attorney. And we were like, okay. <laughs> and long story short, we put out records and, you know, things didn't, it was a great ride, but things didn't go, as you know, as you expected. Yeah. But the thing that happened from that was people knew me. And started reaching out and was like, yo, you should come and rock with me. And I went and rocked with somebody else. And then I went and rocked with somebody else. Long story short, shorter, hopefully. 2012, got my first corporate gig. Got a call. Damien Granderson, well, Zach Katz, dear friend, said, yo, do you know Christopher Stewart? You know Tricky? And I was like, I know who he is, but I don't know him. He was like, well, he's going to be the new president of Epic. Y'all should meet. And this is advocacy. And then we'll just move past this. Uh, he, he was like, y'all should meet each other because him and L.A. are taking over Epic. He's going to be the president of A&R. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. The day of the meeting, I'm sitting outside of the Epic offices, right, which are across the street from the Beverly Hills Peninsula. And I'm like, the old CAA building. I'm like nervous as fuck. And I called Zach. I was like, yo, you got to walk in the meeting with me. He's like, what? I can't walk in the meeting. I was like, nah, listen. I said, the year before, I was supposed to get a job. And funny enough, Tricky Stewart walked in the meeting with the person who ended up getting the gig. Mm -hmm. Tricky walked in with them to advocate for them and be like, yo, I'm supporting them. I'm behind them. I was like, I'm telling you, Zach, I don't know where he was, but he came from wherever he was, walked in the meeting with me, sat with Tricky for an hour, told Tricky my story. And then a week later, Damian Grandison, or two weeks later, Damian Grandison got a draft. He said, you got to come sign it now. They're offering you the VP and blah, 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 and mm -hmm. whatever. And from there, it's just been off to the races, man. And it's been, it's been a beautiful thing. And it's been some up and down moments and everything like this business is. Um, I've learned a ton of lessons, some of them harder than others. Yes. But what I... I'm so grateful for is that it brought me to this point right now. And I feel like us, like, and with, with the sweet life, you're marketing heavy because you are, you're, you're marketing and whatever. And I, and, and then we're identifying things, which is A&R, right? Yeah. And we're identifying the people that appear, the guests that appear on the show and yeah. the food and the chefs and booking and all of this kind of stuff. So we're still, in that mode, in that space, and that's beautiful. So I feel like everything that we've learned to this point has prepared us for this moment. Yeah. And I believe that with everything inside of me. So that's why, again, it goes back to what we started on, gratitude. I am so, I'm in such gratitude for this moment, man. Like, 
yeah, I'm in gratitude. Yeah. No, I didn't even think of that like that, man. Like the putting these things together is with intention. Yep. You know, and I think that's the thing I love about us and what we're building and in yourself too. And I think it's important too because we have a almost like a real brother dynamic. Like we be at it, you know what I mean? Like but <laughs> we listen to each other and we take into account and I think we're able to both allow each other to see it through each other's lens and be yeah. like, Oh, you know what? Yeah, that is. Cause there's times I'll be thinking of something and then you'll bring it up and I'll be like, Oh, at the time I might be like, ah, but then I think about it. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. And I think that's so important to be able to have those transparent conversations, but also huddle up and rally behind it. And it's not about there's no ego in what we're doing. There's no right or wrong in what we're doing because we're on the same like wavelength of what the goal is and what we're trying to accomplish. And again, relationships, right? And you said it even better. The relationships, but also the brother part of it is like it's so important in business and in life that the people that are in your immediate circle that you interact, they have to have context for you because when they do, things aren't taken personal. It's not like, oh, he's on some fuck boy. Nah, yo, he's having a moment. I know him, blah, blah, blah. It'll be fine. That is so important mm -hmm. because somebody who's so close to you can also take that narrative and be like, da -da 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 -da, and start a whole thing. And then, yo, man, like, yeah. from that, you can lose confidence and you lose things and thing. you know what I'm saying? So it's like, again, that's why I'm so, so thankful. I'm thankful for you, thankful for your family. You know, I love them. You know, every time I pull up, I, <laughs> like, I, and I ask about, you know, everybody, <laughs> like, I love... I love what we have. It is such a blessing to me. Um, it has carried me through some tough days recently. You know, you know, you know better than, you know, some things behind the curtain that I'm, I, I just can't, I'm not ready to share now. I'm sure there'll be a time, an appropriate time, but um, this has carried me, man. Like literally I'm yeah. on the back of it and it's like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That yeah. and the love of all my friends and all of us, like this is like, and for my friends and our friends to be rallying around us, all these texts that come in like, yo, this, sh yo, Sweet Life is actually dope. Like to see people rallying, like yeah. you didn't know how people felt about you or them to call you and have a little conversation with you and all of that. And you're like, yo, like, this mean that shit means a lot. The other mm. shit is cool, but that shit means a lot. When it comes from like people who you know love your dirty draws, they used to say, <laughs> then yeah. that's what's up. You know what I mean? Yeah, nah, I'm I'm excited, you know, to continue and just really go out and continue to to, you know, chase our goals and help other people chase their goals and mm -hmm. meet their goals. Mm -hmm. So it's it's such a beautiful thing, you know, to finally get out in the world. And um, I'm just truly excited and just blessed and, and just happy. happy What's, um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what do you feel like is, what, what do you feel like the next, God willing, what do you feel like the next five years holds for us, for you? family, everything, like, what do you, what do you, what do you feel? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think for this growing this, I would love for us to, um, be in a space where like we're traveling the world and we're really, we're really doing this, um, highlighting, you know, culinary and travel, but through our lens, but also sitting down, I think what we're created is, is, something that nobody else really has. It's like the juxtaposition of like 
different people in different spaces and them sharing these commonalities. But I, I see this. I like, I see, I would love to write a book one day. Um, I would love for us to have shows. I would love for us to, you know, do festivals, but different, you know what I mean? Like music, music festivals that are really steeped in like culinary and, and cooking. I want to take this on tour. I would love to build like, just advocacy campuses to where we're doing. Like I, I look at something that's really inspiring is like what 1500 or nothing has done with their Academy. Rance, um, James. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Like yep. that's when you've, when you've reached the heights that you have, that they have as far as musicians, mm-hmm. but pouring all that back into their community mm-hmm. and the next generation, mm-hmm. like what? Like that's, that's that's where it's ultimately that's the ultimate goal mm-hmm. you know what i mean to be able to make that kind of impact so you know i think we're going to be successful and i think with our success allows us to open doors for other people to be successful mm-hmm. you know what i mean i'm i'm not in this for a self-serving i don't think we are mm-hmm. at all i think the success is going to come mm-hmm. um and then from there man just continuing to, to grow on it and and leave behind legacy and impact mm-hmm. um that's that's where i see this thing i'm right i'm right there with you bro yeah i'm right there with you out you know first and foremost health you know yeah health gotta get back on the health journey i'm always on it but i gotta i gotta get the fat boy out of here so we're gonna work on that tough and um health first and foremost and then you know family and uh as far as this i feel like this is such an amazing vehicle um and you know we started a a company to start this you know as you are creative um and so like yeah other podcasts but again just more storytelling like again buying life rights and buying yeah. scripts and cuz there's so many amazing amazing stories out there And being in this business, you know, you get told no more times than yes. And so to be in a position or to create a a position for ourselves that will allow the new creatives and voices that haven't been necessarily heard the way that they should, who and all these other stories from these different communities, I want to usher in all of those things um and yeah i this is gonna be an amazing ride it already has been and um i just want to i want to continue it and i want to continue doing it with again you know the freedom and the goodwill that's in our hearts in my heart and yeah man i just i want to continue and again i want to thank you for being the brother um that you have been it's 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 a, it's a, it's a tremendous blessing to have to ride with somebody like you, man. I, I really appreciate it, bro. All reciprocal, and we'll we'll make sure we do this. Um, we're gonna make a habit of of doing this with just you know myself and you. I think we should bring um, some of the homies on too. And yeah, definitely. Like, don't even like, have to be like yeah. No, no, the homies. Yeah, yeah. You set know? up and and let everybody talk because even yeah. you know like I wanted our our production crew. You know, we've been rocking with these guys forever, man. They're great dudes. We have such amazing friends that are, like, behind the scenes and that, mm-hmm. you know, um, move like we do but might not, you know, get the get the, the um, eyeballs and the, mm-hmm. the, the ears, you know. So highlighting those things and I think just expanding our platform. Mm-hmm. Say we have amazing chefs on the show. How do we highlight them more to, to show their, their trade and their craft? Mm-hmm. Um, the B-roll of these beautiful places we go to and, you know, the PR people and just so many amazing people that we come across. Like, we want to tell their stories also, too many stories. So just continuing to grow this thing. And we'll do this, these sit-downs, you know, more frequently also, too, because I think it's important, although we do have amazing guests, this is our brainchild. Mm-hmm. And it's important for our, for everybody to know, 
you know, learn more about us as the journey goes along and we continue to grow and we grow with them. I don't look at it as a fan base. I look at it as we're building a community, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and that's what you do in a community. You get to know each other. And, you know, if you haven't, you know, please check out the episodes, the YouTubes, you know, we try to make sure we, we comment back and um, make, make sure people feel the love. Cause this is really, um, it's really a community thing. You know what I mean? So next time we sit down, we'll talk about sports. We'll talk about music a little more in depth. We'll talk about food and those kind of things. But, um, yeah. Last thing. Uh, yep. The Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. Is that what you... Oh, <laughs> no, all right. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> three guests that we haven't had to this point that you want to have on. Give me three. Hmm. I know there's a lot more, but just three that you're like... I got to have them on at some point. Man. That is Jonah Hill. Wow. Um, Why Jonah Hill? That's interesting. Because I've I just been seeing, I've obviously, I think he's a super talented actor. He's now moving into pro, pro, production and producing, but... I've seen things about him dealing with like anxiety and depression and somebody who's been, I think that's happens so um, frequently with, with celebrities and people that are in front of cameras and have this, but they have no outlet to talk about it. So hearing it, not from anybody else, but his mouth and how he over the years has learned and is still probably learning how to navigate that part of his life. Got it. You know what I mean? But I think in a space where it's, we can be vulnerable and him, you know, feel not like we're mincing his words. Got it. So something like that, because I think that's so important for people to hear. Um, I would love to sit with um, Kawhi Leonard. Okay. You know, I always look at like people who don't really do a lot of interviews and talk a lot, but I know that there's a story there, like a real story and, and those kind of things. So I would love to sit with him. I think that would be super interesting. Um, who will be my third? Michelle Obama. Really? Yeah. Dope. Yeah. What about you? Shit. That's, you got a crazy list. I'm like, um, wow. Mm. I'm a huge, huge fan of the sweet science. I'm a huge fan of boxing. Um, Crawford. and it, it <laughs> he's, he, I, I, Yes, because so Bud Crawford. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna do a one. They're both one A's, and that because also on the UFC side, on the MMA side, excuse me, John Jones. Yeah, I think such a fucking intriguing personality. Same thing with Bud. Like you don't really know a lot about him. I've heard a lot about him. I've heard about Bud coming from, you know, Nebraska. And, you know, I've heard some interviews. His mom said she used to have people fight him and different things that toughen him up. And, excuse me. Some of the things that, like, it was just interesting. And then John Jones, who comes from this family athlete like Chandler and his brothers, like, he's got two brothers that have been or play in the NFL. So them two. Um, and then, but they're like one for me and then like, um, um, uh, the brother that played in Nope and played, uh, Fred Hampton, Daniel, I I don't want to butcher his last name. Yeah. I, it was so funny. So Archie Davis, who's you know been a guest and is a friend, um, 
he was a part of the whole Black Messiah thing. And I remember when he was telling me that it was going to happen, that the Fred Hampton thing was going to happen. And they were, like, telling me who was going to play him. And I was like, the English guy? The guy <laughs> from, like, Get Out? Like, I was like, I, I was a little bit like, come on, man. Like, is there somebody on this side of the pond or who's even from Chicago and who has context? Not to, but, like... But dude killed it, and I am a huge, huge fan of dudes. Like, and then dude was in um, Nope, and and then obviously Get Out, and then obviously he's he's just he's a tremendous actor, and also he's a tremendous. He has a fire inside of him. Yeah, Um, I've seen him, so I would I would love to sit with him, and then I think. The last thing, you know, I, again, I'm I'm from the city. I'm from, I'm from Long Beach. You know what I mean? And the city means a lot to me. Um, I would love to. I would love to sit down with the remaining members of Two One Three. So that would be Warren and Snoop. You know, obviously Nate is not here. Yeah. So those those are things that are on the. Those are things that are on the wish list, and I believe that they'll happen. They'll yeah. manifest themselves. Put it in the universe. Absolutely. And watch some doors open. open. <laughs> Yo, man, we listen. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for sitting in with us. A sweet life. Sweet life. Malik Rashid, Chief Johnson. We out. Peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.